to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. Father, I thank you for your word on the kingdom tonight. I thank you that what you've been building on Wednesday nights and Sundays is opening our eyes up to a new dimension, to a new place called heaven, and we thank you for the opportunity again tonight to learn. Thank you for the light of your word and more and more wisdom. Continue to bring us out of the darkness of this world in our thought life and in our actions. We thank you for perfect deliverance through your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 12 tonight. Look at verse 32. It says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now notice, how many know this is the word of God? So here it says, the father is pleased to give us the kingdom. And to be honest with you, I really desire to have everything that the kingdom's got to offer. How many of you do? Well, I can never figure out if he's pleased to give me the benefits of the kingdom and I desired them, then why in the heck don't I have them? I tried Christianity for a long time. It didn't work. I shouted. I confessed. I prayed. Nothing. I begged in my prayer life. I cried. Nothing. Sooner or later you get mad at God. Sooner or later you question, is he really the good God we're always singing about? All nations and kingdoms contain principles and laws that the citizens must follow in order to benefit from citizenship privileges and rights. These laws and principles are called by Jesus the keys of the kingdom. Look at Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16, look at verse 13. It says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you're John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed where? in heaven. Notice he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Say keys. Keys, Keys, you can relate them to the natural realm. You know, for a long time I had a ring with a bunch of keys on and about three of the keys I knew went to something to the other 13 I couldn't remember what they went to so they didn't really do me very good. So keys aren't really good if you don't know what keys are good for. That's the problem that many believers have today, many people in the kingdom of God. We have a bunch of keys. You know what those keys are? Scriptures. The scriptures are the keys to the kingdom of God, obedience to them, so we don't know how to use them. We have the keys, but we do not know what the keys unlock and what they bind. We believers push every button, we confess, we try, we stand and pray. If that don't work, we kneel and pray. If that don't work, we try to manipulate God, we try to bargain with God and all these things, but nothing works unless you put the key in the lock and unload and unlock the lock that leads you to heaven. 
We have information, but we don't know how to use it. Many of us know we have power, but we don't know how to apply it. We have been taught that we are helpless Christians rather than empowered kings on the earth. Knowledge of the word is not enough. That knowledge must influence us to become kingdom-minded or king-minded. Life in the kingdom is really about returning to the governing authority of God and learning how to function in the authority that God has already given us. Jesus brought back the kingdom of God to us, and our Father, according to the Bible, has given you the kingdom. Say, I have the kingdom, have the kingdom. and all the benefits, all the benefits of, the of the kingdom. So the moment we turn from our rebellion against God and place our trust in Christ to get saved, we become citizens of something called the kingdom of heaven. We become citizens of a place that's called heaven that we cannot see, but it's a real place. We gain immediate access to all the rights, all the benefits, and all the privileges that come with it. Now we must appropriate our right. In other words, we have to learn how to use the keys that God has given us that hooks us up with the supernatural power of God. Look at verse 18. It says, And I say also unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How many know this is the word of God? Well, then why is most people in the church being overcome by hell? Why are most people in lack? Why are most people sick? Why are most people depressed? Why are most people down and out? When he says here that they won't be. The word church here is not a religious word. It is a, the word is ecclesia, and it is a, it is a governmental term. In the Roman government, basically what they had, they had an emperor, and he picked some people who were part of his ecclesia. They were part of his senate. They were people who understood his thoughts and his ways and his will, and then he ordained them to be part of the ecclesia, and they were to go out and train other people in the kingdom. The Roman Empire had an ecclesia that they had. So people basically were instructed in the ways of the kingdom. They are part of the ecclesia. Then they go out and teach other people, and basically, hopefully, they'll become part of the ecclesia again. Are you following me? Same way in the natural realm as it is in the spirit realm. It's basically the same thing. Their job, once again, was to take the mind of the king and give it to people. But in order to do that, first of all, they had to stay close to the king. They had to spend time with the king. You had to spend time in the keys of the kingdom, which is the word of God. If you didn't spend time with the king, you wouldn't know what the king wanted. You wouldn't know his will. You wouldn't understand anything. And you would not be part of the ecclesia that's going to stand even against the gates of hell. You also had to spend time in the laws of the kingdom, the will of the king. Ignorance is no excuse in the kingdom of God. In other words, we can say, I didn't know, but you better learn and know. Just saying, I don't know, God's going to say, well, that's all right. You know, you've been stupid for 20 years, and you didn't really study my word, my laws, but I'm going to help you out anyway. He'll do that when you're a baby at first, when you first get born into, but he expects us to grow in the things of God and understands the things of God. So ignorance is no excuse anymore, and it's not going to be an excuse in these days that we're in. Jesus was basically saying the same way that Caesar is Lord over his government and created his senate, basically, I will build my cabinet on the fact that I am the Christ, the anointed king here on the earth. I build my government, my senate, who will carry out my will and wishes, and they will become my disciples. So Jesus basically was establishing a government from heaven. It was going to be a government called an ecclesia. They were going to be a political force. They were going to be a wisdom force. They were going to be a knowledge force. In the ecclesia, this group would be so powerful that even the gates of hell will not overcome it. And let me just throw this in for a little bit. In the kingdom of heaven, Satan's defeated. In Christianity, we're still fighting the devil. 
but he's already defeated. I mean, no, he's still defeated. Jesus already defeated him. You don't have to defeat him. You just have to enforce the defeat that Jesus put on the devil in order to get results in your life. But the whole church is battling the devil. I hear all the, the devil's been chasing me around all week, but after me all week, well, tell him to go someplace else, for God's sakes. He's already defeated. He shouldn't be chasing you around. He shouldn't be after you. If you know your rights and you know what belongs to you and you're part of the ecclesia and understand what's going on. The world will not be able to infiltrate the ecclesia, but the ecclesia should change the world system. In other words, we're not here to be attacked by the world. We're here to overcome the world. So if you're a Christian and you're being attacked by the world and falling into the world, you're not yet part of the ecclesia. You don't know the mind and the heart of God himself. God sees you as a victor more than a conqueror. He sees you as full of the power of God and the anointing of God. And he sees the devil is defeated in every single area of your life. Look at verse 19. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed where? So here it is. He gives us the keys of the kingdom. Notice, the keys of the kingdom, not the keys to the kingdom. Why don't you need the keys to the kingdom? Because you're supposedly you're already in the kingdom. So he gives you the keys of the kingdom when you get in there. You're now in the kingdom. You're citizens of the kingdom. And he gives you the keys of the kingdom, which are scriptures, and they will unlock the power of God in your life. They are used to either allow God's ability into your life or the world's ability into your life, depending on whether you're using the key in the right way or in the wrong way. Notice, whatever you bind will be bound, and whatever you... See, God's not really in that verse, is he? He's not responsible for us using the keys to the kingdom of God. We are responsible to use the keys of the kingdom of God. This means that every kingdom citizen born of the kingdom of God should be operating on a level that blows people's minds here on the earth. We should be living in an above the natural realm. We have access to power which is in heaven, resources that others cannot explain because we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven and we can access heaven through the power of the Holy Ghost and through the wisdom that we have in the keys that he's given us. So our access is based on our knowledge of the king's will, his desires, his intents, which are the scriptures, and our close contact with the king. How many of you knew you need a relationship with somebody to understand somebody? You can't just talk to them once a year and say, I have a great relationship with so-and-so, because you don't. You don't know their heart. You don't know their mind. You don't know what their desires is. You don't know what their will is. So we need to spend close time with the Word of God, with the laws of God, and with God in order to understand. The keys are the keys to knowledge, knowing what the keys are for, and then knowing how to use them. All right, go to Luke chapter 8. All right, Luke chapter 8, look at verse 10. Jesus is speaking. He says, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Say mysteries. The word mysteries here is secrets of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is not a secret society, but there are keys you have to learn that you do not know when you first get in the kingdom of God. A secret is not something nobody knows. It's something that somebody knows, and yet we are trying to find out what those secrets are. How many know that Jesus operated in the kingdom of God? How many know he knew the keys to the kingdom of God? He knew the scriptures. A miracle for us sometimes is hard to understand. The disciples saw Jesus walk on the water. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him calm the storm. They saw him multiply bread. But to Jesus, none of these were really miracles. Jesus was just saying, I'm just using the keys. I know how to put them into locks, and I'm unlocking peace 
and joy and healing and power and authority and prosperity. Watch me and you will learn to unlock the kingdom of God things in your life. So miracles are really not up to God. They're up to us using the right keys to allow God to do something here on the earth. And that's why if, if you watch somebody who basically operates in the power of God and in healing and those things, most of the people who do it on a consistent basis use the scriptures to do it. They just don't do it. They're using scriptures that they've learned and keys to unlock and things that they can use in order to open the door. And the same way in my life, I had to learn certain keys in my life because it wasn't that God wasn't giving me what I was asking for. It's that I was blocking what he was giving me because I was using the key in the wrong lock and many times using the key in the wrong direction. Why? Because I was growing up in the world. I wasn't taught the keys of the kingdom. I didn't know these things. I didn't know what you were supposed to do. I didn't know you were supposed to bless them that curse you. What is that? That's a key in the kingdom. We just don't do it because we don't want to sin and make God mad. No, that's a key to unlocking the door to heaven itself so things can get into your life in that situation. So you have to bless those who curse you. Well, before I got saved and understood that key, I'll tell you what I did every time somebody cursed me. I cursed them right back, only better. <laughs> you can't just curse them the same level. You've got to double curse them. You've got to get them real good. And what was I doing? I was blocking things from the kingdom of God. Then it was making me mad at God for not getting. See? God, why don't you do something? God was saying, you've got the key in a different lock. It won't work. You're not using the key right. You're not doing what the key does and unlock heaven for you. So all these scriptures in here that you read are basically keys to the kingdom of heaven. It's not that much with, I've sinned and I've not sinned. No, you've blocked yourself from supernatural. And if you're blocked from the supernatural, you've only got one source, and that is the natural. And look around in the natural, see how you're going to do living in the natural right now. Anybody living in the natural is having difficulties in every single area of their life. Even if they're rich, they're depressed. Even if they're rich, they're thinking about suicide. Why? Because they're all messed up. So we need to learn the keys of the kingdom. Go to John chapter 14. Okay, John 14, look at verse 12, familiar scripture. Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will what? Do it. Now, this is a good scripture, isn't it? But notice, Jesus left no doubt that the kingdom is supposed to work not only for him, but also for the ecclesia, or the kingdom citizens here on the earth. He says, whatever I do here on the earth, you can do on the earth. But I was taught Jesus did those things because he's Jesus. And we're not Jesus. And we can't do those things. Yet Jesus says that we can do those things. So you're either going to believe your denomination or you're going to believe what Jesus has to say. Jesus says that the ecclesia is going to be able to do not only the same things, but more things they're going to be able to do because he was going to the Father. And how many know when he went to the Father, he sent somebody by the name of the Holy Ghost. What's the Holy Ghost for? He is your teacher to instruct you on kingdom ways and ways to use the keys of the kingdom to access heaven. Remember, it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So he sends the Holy Ghost so that you learn how to receive from the kingdom to please God because God is pleased when you receive, not when you don't receive. So the Holy Ghost is here. What does he do? He teaches us about the keys of the kingdom. He'll teach you in the Bible. He'll show you. He'll not only reveal the keys, but he'll provide access from the Father and show you how to use the key and what lock it unlocks. Look at verse 13. 
And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will what? Do it. Now this is a key, isn't it? This is a key to prayer. It's asking in Jesus' name or according to the king's will in line with the king's purposes. So I'm not asking God to gratify my own flesh. I'm not asking him for three wives. I'm not asking him for, for something that's not in line with the scriptures in Jesus' name and expecting to receive it because that's not what the key is. The key is from the ecclesia is that basically you, you pray according to his will and when you do you can expect to receive it because you're in the will of God and praying for the will of God. People pray for everything but the will of God. You know why? Because we pray for the will of us. We don't ever pray for what God wants. We pray for what we want. Come on, that's what prayer was my whole life. Gimme, 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 Jimmy. Praise God. Gimme, gimme. I need money. I need this. I need that. I, I didn't know God needed anything, you know. But when I started reading the Bible and found out I was a kingdom citizen and had a purpose, say a purpose, then I needed things to do my purpose. Once I put my purpose first, all those stupid things I was praying for followed me and came after me rather than me misdirecting for those things. If you're going after those things, you got the wrong key and you got the wrong lock and you're not unlocking anything. But if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, click, all these things shall be added unto you. Now I've got the key and I've got it in the right hole and I'm unlocking heaven. Most people out there don't even know they have a purpose. They don't even know about the kingdom of God. So they're basically they're not seeking it first. So what are they? They're in turmoil. They're not getting their prayers answered. They're praying for prayers that aren't even according to God's will. And then they get upset at God again. I don't think God loves me. He doesn't care for me. Oh yes, he does. But there's a proper way to do things just like there is any place else. We are seeking to fulfill God's will, we're not seeking to fulfill my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, praise God. So there's a key, isn't there? Oh, what do we want to do? We want to unlock heaven. How do we unlock heaven? We get an agreement with God in Jesus' name. What, what's Jesus' name? So and so be saved. He will that none perish but all come into everlasting life. I know that's part of his thing. He wants all to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. So when I'm praying for somebody who I want to be saved, I'm praying in line, I'm opening doors of heaven, and somehow they're going to get somebody by that person who's going to bring him to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you See? So that's what we're doing. We're unlocking heaven and giving God an opportunity to get in the earth realm and to do what needs to be done. I right, go to Matthew chapter 14. I mean, it's the same way in the natural realm. If, if you're 16 years old and you want to get a driver's license, how many know you got to take a driver's test? You may say, well, I don't believe in that driver's test. Well, I don't care if you don't believe in it. You start driving, you're going to end up in trouble because that's what the key is that gets you behind the wheel that gives you a driver's license. Well, I just don't like that. I don't know why they won't give me a driver's license. Well, because you won't take the test. See, but we want to blame somebody else for not receiving. Everything in the Bible that it promises you, you should be receiving. And if you're not receiving it, check out whether you're making a mistake or God. And then after two seconds, you're going to figure out that it's probably on my end. So I'm going to figure out which key I'm not using, which key is blocking it, which key I'm not in the kingdom of God, and I'm going to find out where that key is, and then I'm just going to insert it, and I'm going to put it in there and unlock heaven into my life so I can live above the natural realm. All right, go to Matthew chapter 14. All right, let's look at verse 16. I'll go back to 15. We better read the whole thing. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said unto them, They don't have to depart. You give them to eat. And they said unto him, 
what we have here but five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up to heaven. He blessed and break it and gave the loaves to his disciples and his disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained 12 baskets. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. How many know that's a pretty good feed right there? Notice the disciples here basically had already seen Jesus do this once before. This was the second time. He had fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. So Jesus said, let's see what you learned. You feed them. And they simply said, basically, we can't do it. We don't have anything. We don't have enough to give them. We can't do this. You can't do it. So he was trying to get them to use one of the keys of the kingdom. What did they reply? All we have is. They were limited by what they could see, by what they had, what earth could provide in that situation. But in the kingdom of heaven, we walk by faith and not by sight. That gives us access to the country of heaven, which is a real country. It's just invisible. It's in the spirit world. So what they should have replied was, what key do we use? What key can we use in this situation? When you know the secrets of the kingdom keys, you will never again in your life say, all I have is. Because there is more. doesn't matter what you're looking for. All you have is, is in the earth realm. There's always more in the heavenly realm that you can go to. You limit yourself. So Jesus did not basically... Look at, look at anything. He simply looked up. Why? He knew where it was going to come from. He knew it was going to happen. And he gave thanks. Why did he give thanks? Because you always bring the king an offering when you come to the king. So he gave thanks, which is thanksgiving. And when he did, he unlocked heaven, knowing that this key was going to work. See, and somebody say, well, I just don't understand how that works. Well, if you go out tonight and turn your key, do you expect your car to start? Yeah, we don't have any problem with that, do we? We're not getting me and sticking a key in and going, Oh, thank God. Praise you, Jesus. But this to this, this was natural for Jesus. Do you understand? He knew what the key was. He knew what would work. So he wasn't thinking, gosh, I sure hope this works. I sure hope everybody gets fed. No, he knew the key would work when he turned it because it was natural, supernatural, natural thinking for him because he knew how to operate in the things of God. So basically, we're changing our mindset. We're thinking more. Kingdom living is not limited by what we have or what we can see. It's by being thankful for what you have and basically knowing that there's more for you in the kingdom of heaven. Your needs in the kingdom will be met according not to what you have, but according to his riches in glory. Hallelujah. Well, if I'm going to get his riches from glory, then I've got to get access to his glory to get the riches for him, which is more than I've got here in the earth realm. Praise God. All right, go to 2 Kings chapter 6. All right, 2 Kings chapter 6, look at verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you pass not such a place, for hither the Syrians are there, and they're coming down to destroy you. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself not once, but twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled. In other words, he got mad. 
for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which is of the king of Israel? Do we have a spy there? In other words, he's saying. And one of his servants said, No, Lord, it's not him. It's that Elijah person, that prophet of Israel, who tells the king of Israel the words that we speak in our bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is at Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and came, compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early, he went out, behold, a host compassed the city with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Oh my gosh, we are in big trouble, master. How do we do? What are we going to do about this? And he answered and said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than that with be with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. And when they came down to him, Elijah prayed unto the Lord. He said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elijah. Now here you see someone who was kingdom-minded. This prophet was kingdom-minded. First of all, he was seeing things that you cannot see and cannot know in the natural realm. So apparently he tapped into something above natural knowledge and above natural wisdom. He knew where they were going to attack. Every time they tried to attack, he knew where they were going to attack. And he told the Israelites, they're coming here, they're coming there. Now if this worked for an Old Testament prophet, it should be able to work for an Ecclesia child of God. In other words, there are times when God shows me things before they happen. And I'm glad he does. They're very much easier to react to when you know they're coming than when they just come. That's why we stay in prayer. That's why we stay in scriptures. That's why you stay in the word. It may come up on the inside of you. Don't do this. Turn here. Don't do that. And what's he trying to do? It's words that are coming for you that are words of wisdom and knowledge that you can get. And where do we get those words of wisdom? Do we get them from the government? Do we get them online? I mean, do we get them from the CDC? No, we get them from God. We get something above. We're living above into the spirit realm and hearing things. So the kingdom mindset completely changed his perspective. Keys represent authority and they represent access. If you have keys, you have access and you have the authority over that thing. Keys of the kingdom give you immediate access to another supernatural source, to the resources of heaven itself. Elijah's servant was frightened by what he saw in the natural around him. Fear through looking at the wrong source. He was not aware that there was a key in this situation. Elijah had a key. He did not look at the natural, but he looked at what was available to him in the kingdom of God. Basically, he was looking at the things that are not seen rather than the things that are seen. So verse 16, he said, Fear not, for they that be with us are many more than they with be with him. When he said that, he unlocked heaven and brought down an army to protect him. How many know the angels respond to the keys that you use in your life for protection and for other things? The angels are your servants. They want to serve you, but they can't serve you if you say, I'm tickled to death. I'm dying to go. They don't go around killing people. So what we say and what we do is allows the angels to react and be active in your life. So we unlock. The army was real, but it was invisible. Look at verse 17. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses, chariots, fire round about Elijah. He had access to the kingdom, basically a natural army he could see, but he saw beyond there. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus? And basically one of them cut off a, one of the army man's ears, and, and Jesus said, don't do that. He said, I could call 12 legions of 
Well, where are those angels going to come from? Earth? The natural realm? No, they were heavenly beings that were going to come or were active in the earth realm. And he knew that he had access to something he couldn't see because he was allowing the keys of the kingdom to operate in his life. So he said, I can call an army down here and blow these people away right now. When you have the keys of the kingdom, you will no longer have lack. You'll no longer be in a crisis. You'll no longer live in worry. And you'll no longer live in fear because the kingdom you have access to is greater than all those things you're worried and fearful about. Keys of the kingdom will give you control over situations and circumstances. Kingdom-minded will eliminate fear in your life. It will eliminate worry in your life. A kingdom mindset changes your perspective of seeing things. All right, go to 1 Kings 17. And if you're pressed into the Lord right now and you're growing in the things of God, I'm telling you right now, whatever's going on in the world right now isn't making much of a difference to you right now because you know there's something going on behind the scenes, they call it. But it's not really behind the scenes. It's in the spirit realm going on right now that's much greater than what's going on in the natural realm. And that's why some people aren't fearful. Some people aren't worried. Some people go through the day with no problems, no worries, because they can see beyond that. If you're going to tie yourself to the natural realm, you're going to have a rough life. Everything in the natural realm is a mess. And if you tie yourself to the mess, talk the mess, think the mess, you're going to be a mess. That's just the way it works. But we see things beyond that. We've got a God who's bigger than what We've got heaven who's got more stuff than we need, praise God, up there. So we want to lock into that. All right, 1 Kings 17. Look at verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise and go down to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Right now there was a drought going on. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, By the way, bring to me, I pray, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, Well, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but only a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in the cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat and do what? Die. I mean, that's a good vision. And Elisha said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, and make me therefore a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make one for you and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. My Bible says a full year. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things, well, we don't want to go that far, praise God. So notice, here's a story, isn't it? There was a drought in the land. Nobody had any food. Here's Elijah. He shows up, and basically, he goes to this lady who's got just enough for a cake for her and her child, and Elijah, who is the man of God, says, make me a cake first. I mean, oh, that could get you thrown out of a lot of churches as a pastor. Isn't that the most selfish thing you ever heard? We're going to make a cake and die. That's all we got. Yeah, will you make me one first? But what was he doing? He knew there was a key. There was a key that would unlock supernatural things in the kingdom of heaven. When you don't have that much, it's better to give what you don't have to get more than you ever had. 
Are you following? It's, what is it? It's a kingdom thing. Remember the little lady who went in and only had a couple mites and put it in a thing? And Jesus says, whoa, my God. She gave more than everybody else. She'd say, you're nuts. There's people giving a bunch of money in here. She threw two pennies in it. She gave more than everybody else. Well, it's because she only had three pennies. See, so what she was doing, she understood kingdom more than the people would say, well, I made a million dollars. Here's 10 bucks. I feel like I'm a big giver. I'm, see, but he knew how it happened. So he knew how it was going to operate here. So once he did that, he gave her a key. And once she obeyed the key, say, obeyed the key. Now, what if she just said, hey, buddy boy, sorry, Charlie. Or what if, look at the prophet. The prophet's starving, and he says, I'm going to take care of you. And he sends him to a widow woman who's just about ready to die. I mean, I thought he'd send him to a million-dollar mansion, somebody with a bunch of food. Somebody, no, send him to, because God works kingdom things. He doesn't work natural things. The kingdom things affect the natural things. So basically, once she turned the key, what did it do? It caused something that was above the natural realm where she could eat on that little bit she had left for a full year without it running out. Now, how many know that's supernatural? And once again, we call it a miracle. But if she would have said, no, sorry, I ain't going to make you one, how many know God would have never been able to do anything in that situation? See, make me one first. Well, what was he doing? There was a key there. He was doing it in the Old Testament. He was using it. We preach giving. We preach tithing here. Why do I do that? Because we need the money? No, that's not it at all. Because we're giving people a spiritual key. People say, I don't like it when you teach tithing. I don't want to tithe. You don't have to. You don't have to tithe. If you don't tithe, you're just not going to unlock that door where the windows of heaven are open and you're pouring out a blessing upon it. You don't want to, that's fine if you want to live over here. It's, it's not a sin to me. It's not going to make me cry. It's not going to get me upset. I just know that that's a key to finances beyond my finances that access into heaven. Are you following me? But, but we're so religiousized, we just think, well, I get mad because you do. Well, don't get mad. I'm just giving you something to do. Either do it or don't. It, it's nothing to me. It's not a sin. It's not a not a sin. It's not, but you're not going to hook up with supernatural wealth either by doing those things. So it's entirely up to you. We're too religitized where everything we don't do we think is a sin. No, God gives you an offer. Let me tell you how to get rich. This is the way to do it. Tithe 10% and then be faithful and manage your other 90%. Some people say, I've tithed for 40 years. Yeah, but look how you manage the other 90 he wasn't working at all. So that's what he says. Do the 10, do the 90, and I can guarantee you from heaven, my responsibility now. See, once you do it, it takes the pressure off you, and the pressure is on him. You know, we bought the church building here, and we were deep in debt, and I was tithing for years. I said, you've got a problem. No, I've been tithing. You said you meet all my needs according to your riches and glory. So you're just going to have to do it, and you have to pay this building off, and the money's going to have to come in. I don't care where it comes from, and I'm not going to tell you to get it from because you probably know a little bit more about that than I do, and we're just going to let things go here. It's going to work out. And how many know it works out? And not only does it work out, you don't have to worry about it every single day. You know, it's terrible to wake up in the morning, every single morning, worrying about something, worried about your finances, worried about this, worried about that. Well, you shouldn't be worrying about anything if you know you have access to something that can handle every situation up there. It's the power of God and the anointing of God. Confession of the word is a key, but it can be a work. It's a key if you're saying it because you believe it, not if you're saying it to get it. In other words, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. What are you saying that for? So he blesses me. No, you're already blessed. I say I'm blessed because I'm blessed. I'm not naming to claim it. I claim it because it's mine already. So it can be a work or it can be used basically as a key. Confession is important. Why? Because you're referring back to God, the Word of God. The Bible says He sent His Word into the ground and it's not going to return void. So I return it back to Him and it's not going to return void because He said, that's what I said and that's what I'm going to do and that's what I can do in heaven and that's what I release it back to you. So we're using the Word of God to receive things from a different realm 
And I tell you, people get mad at you when you receive from a different realm. Always works out for them. Every single time it works out for them. I don't know why God don't work it out for me, and it always works out for them. I'll tell you what. People come to me with all their problems and say, aren't you going to worry about them? I said, I ain't really got time. I mean, you worry about them. That'll be enough. We don't both have to worry about them. You worry about them, let me know when you get over it. You know, and move on into it. Because once you're worrying about it, you've already disconnected. You've got a key, and you can't even find the hole in the thing, and you're worried about it. No, you've got to understand that there's more for you as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven than you ever thought there was. But we're so tied to the earth realm, we want to live at everything to the earth realm, basically, and we cannot do that. All right, go to Mark chapter 4. All right, Mark chapter 4, look at verse 35. And on the same day when the evening come, he said unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitudes, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, don't you care that we're going to die? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a calm. And he said unto him, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So here we have his disciples. Say his disciples. These are the ones he was teaching. These are the ones he was instructing. They were in a boat. They were afraid basically. Why were they afraid? Because they did not know they had a key in that situation. Jesus was at peace. You could tell he was all shook up because he was sleeping. He was in the midst of the storm. He stood up and took his key and said, peace, be still. Then he turned to them and said, why didn't you use the key that I used in this situation? If you don't know you have a key, you will not use the key, but chances are you will blame God for not doing something in the situation that you didn't have a key for. Look what they did. This is what I used to do when I prayed and didn't receive. Don't you care? Don't you care, God? Don't you love me? Don't you care? You know how much this means to me? You know how much pain I'm in right now? <laughs> what am I trying to do? Get God's attention with feelings and emotions. But notice Jesus never panicked like the disciples did. And they said, what manner of man is this? It's a manner of man who knew the keys to the kingdom in every situation. He knew how to unlock heaven and get it into the earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in we're responsible for allowing heaven to get into the earth realm. God just can't bust in here and do it because he gave us authority. He gave us the power here to do it. And when I was in, when I was in religion, basically, is what I was in not knowing it, everything that I dealt with dealt with feelings and dealt with emotions. Never dealt with knowledge of the word or the kingdom, you know, whatever you could do. And then when I started getting into ministry a little bit, I got into a prayer meeting, a Catholic prayer meeting there for a while. And basically I was in leadership and there's a lot of things I didn't know. But what I knew I learned from people who didn't know either. Did you ever do that? Yeah. So I had some lady come to me one night and she was in tears. She just said, my husband, you know, we prayed for him and everything, but he died. And, you know, he died last week and I just feel so bad and whatever. Why would God do that to him? And, of course, I didn't have any answers, but I had somebody else's answer who gave me an answer. And I just said, well, you know, God works all things together good and she said no he didn't she walked away and I thought god I better check this out a little bit further because this ain't gone very good that's probably not the answer we need in this situation but if you if you've heard that for years and years and years and years I mean you know that's what you think 
and you'll fight for it. Oh, yes, it's right there. Right there in Romans chapter 8, I'll tell you right now, it's underlined, it's crossed, it's orange, it's purple, it's everything. But no, no, that's not the whole gist of that. That was talking about praying in the Holy Ghost and things will work out, things you don't even know that you're praying for in there. So not all things do work out for good for God, but I didn't know that. So I just gave her an answer. What, what am I doing? I'm dealing with feelings. I'm dealing with emotions. I'm not dealing with fact of what's going on. So basically, you know, when you, a lot of people struggle with the love of God and they're mad at God. Why? Because God didn't do something they thought he should do. But the thing is, they have not found the key yet to unlock the door to allow God to do because it's still God's pleasure to give you the entire kingdom. He's not holding back on anyone. All right, go to John chapter 8. All right, John chapter 8, look at verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, he said, if you will continue in my word, you will become my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How many of you know that scripture? I Every Christian knows that scripture. Jesus, you know the truth, and you shall be free. But yet nobody's free. And many of them do know the truth. The problem is they're not using the key when the time comes to unlock the truth that's in their life. And notice, Jesus was saying this before the epistles were written. So what's he talking about? He's talking about, if you continue in my word, say my word. So he was talking about the words that he spoke in red in the four gospels. So once again, that's why I spend more time in the gospels than I do the epistles. It's all the word of God, but if I want to be a disciple of Jesus, I've got to find out how he did it. I can't guess how he did it. I can't wonder how he did it. He was the kingdom on two legs. He was the kingdom in sandals. So however he reacted, when a storm comes up and something's there, how are you going to react? Are you going to say, peace be still? Or are you going to say, <laughs> we're going to die? So you can relax any way that you want to act. When somebody hurts you, what are you going to say? I forgive them, Father? Or are you going to say, well, I'll tell you what, wait till I get a chance to get one of them. What are you doing? It's the keys, ain't it? It's keys of the kingdom that we use, and we use them to allow God to be active in our life. So a disciple has to be a student of the word, have to have knowledge of the keys, how to and when to lock and unlock. You must grow to become part of the ecclesia, get to know the laws and the ways of God's. God's ways are not the world's ways. The world system basically to get ahead, what do you do? You rob, you use people, you cheat, you steal, you do whatever you can to get ahead. But the kingdom instead of getting, gives. Instead of hating, it loves. Not every man for himself, but we're supposed to prefer one another. We must switch the kingdom operation thinking to the keys of the kingdom. Go to Mark chapter 10. Right, here's a story about a guy who had it all together. Mark chapter 10, look at verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why calls me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, don't commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, Honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I have observed from my youth. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, 
sell whatsoever you have and give it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross following now I'll tell you what that doesn't sound like he loved him I would like Jesus to say I love you give everything away you got I would say stop loving me Verse 21, Jesus beholded him and said, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatsoever you have, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt treasure in heaven, and take up your cross and follow me. And he was sad that said that. And he went away grieved, and he had many possessions. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, It is really hard for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. That word there, enter, is the word participate in or receive from. It is easier to go through a a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom so what was he doing here Here was this guy sounds like he had everything sounds like he was smart sounds like he was rich sounds like he was a pretty good guy he was doing everything right but he still knew that he was missing something in his life so he said I want eternal life what he meant is I want to live a kingdom kind of life where I'm living the supernatural life he really had no issues he really had no problems he probably really thought he was really somebody I think he was coming to Jesus to tell him how good he was more than to find out about eternal life. You know, pat himself on the back a little bit. Well, Jesus said there's one key you're missing. The key is basically that you give to receive. The key is that you don't own anything. I own everything. And if I want to take everything from you, then I can take everything from you. Did he want to take everything from him? No. He just wanted to see if he would come into that area where he'd give away what God wanted him to give away because God owns everything. If you've got anything that God tells you and you know you're supposed to give it away and you can't do it, you're still holding on to something. It's still controlling you, you're not controlling it. So basically he said that's the one problem you got. So the opposite nature basically, this would have been a terrible thing for somebody to tell you. I mean look at me, I can eat the commandments, I'm a good boy, I do everything right, now you want me to give everything away? I mean how holy can I get for God's sakes? I mean it just shook him all up. So basically what we have is the keys to the kingdom. We have keys. We bless those who curse us. How about this one? Love your enemies. What is it? It's a key. Well, I ain't going to do that. Well, you're not going to go to hell, but you don't have a key to unlock the door. Do you see what I mean? These are all keys. God says this is the way you will live in the kingdom. You love your enemies. That's what you, you pray for those who persecute you. And why do you pray for them? Because if not, you'll want to kill them. That prayer is basically to keep you pure, not them. Come on now. Let's say it. I mean, if you sit there and don't pray good things in their life and you just think about what they did and keep thinking about it and keep thinking about it, it just grows just like a seed. And pretty soon you won't be able to stand them more and more. That's why you pray. You get rid of it. You get rid of those who persecute you. You let it go. You leave it go. First, you check yourself to see if the persecution was true. And then if it's not, then you switch and go the other way around. But what are they doing? It's kingdom living. The Bible says, my people are destroyed. Why? Lack of knowledge, not the devil, not lack of funds, not lack of anything, a lack of knowledge of using the kingdom to turn keys into their life. The Bible says basically in Proverbs that you can get prosperity with no sorrow. And prosperity with no sorrow is basically receiving prosperity that does not belong to you anyway, and you know if you give it away, you're just going to get more prosperity anyway. There's no sorrow. Sorrow is for the guy who wins the lottery and then, and then basically burns it up in two weeks and then he's in sorrow. Or the one who, who wins a new car and then wants to put it in the garage and lock it in because he's afraid somebody will steal it or scratch it. What are you doing? It's causing you fear to do it. Finances shouldn't do that to you. The more finances you give, you just follow the Holy Ghost. You give, you keep, you do whatever. There's no fear involved in it. So basically, we have to have a willingness to part from all that we have in our life. Why is that? That's the kingdom way it is. Kingdom principles are keys that work but they're not always understood. I'm going to rephrase that. They're hardly ever understood. 
You don't know why you're doing it. You just do it. You just love someone who's screaming at you, and all at once they stop screaming and talk to you like a human being. Why? I don't know. I just know it worketh. A soft answer turns away wrath. Why does it work? I don't know. I'm going to go home tonight and say, Channel 42, it's going to work. I don't know how. But I'm not going to sit there and try to think about it. Now, I wonder why this is working or not working. I wonder why. No, you just do it because you expect it to work. So when you're operating the keys of the kingdom, you simply naturally expect them to work because Jesus said they would work. So if I pray to Jesus' name according to God's will for something that helps his kingdom, I'm fully expecting that that's going to take place. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to use in Jesus' name real hard to try to push it through. I don't have to do any of that stuff. But we've got things in the natural. We don't know how they work. I have no idea how a car works. I can put gas in a car. That's all I can do. But I tell you what, when I turn the key and it runs, I'm pretty happy about the whole thing. But we don't know how it works. Well, it's the same way in the kingdom. There's, there's laws there that you turn the key and they work for you. The creator knows what he's doing and he knows what's better for each and every one of us. All right, go to Matthew chapter 5. All right, Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you, persecute you, oh goody goody, and you shall all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. Now, how many know this is hard work here? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. I know in heaven, but what the hell? What am I going through down here, down here in hell, for God's sakes? I'd rather have heaven right now. Well, if you're going to have heaven right now, then you can't get upset when people do this kind of stuff. You're going to have to be exceedingly glad and know that you're doing something right, and that's why you're being persecuted. Because the Bible says only those who live godly will suffer persecution. So if you're not suffering persecution, you're probably in worse shape than if you are. And you know what these are called? These are called the Beatitudes. Say Beatitudes. You know what it should be? This is what your attitude should be in life. This tells you right here how you're supposed to act, how you're supposed to do things. Are they easy? No, they're not easy. But they're things that we can learn in the kingdom life and we can go to and we can understand and we can react that way and then we expect the kingdom active in all our life. See, the kingdom is not just active when we pray. It should be active in our life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. How we respond, how we do things, how we act, how we talk, how we think, how we're doing things. We're allowing the kingdom to be in our life. Angels follow the word of God. So I'm going to keep the word of God in my mouth so the angels do what needs to be done around me, praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 18. All right, Matthew chapter 18, look at verse 15. Jesus says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with him one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, Tell it to the church, and if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and as a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be 
loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it shall be done of them by my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in thy name, I will be in their midst. Then Peter came to him and asked, Well, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. For whosoever, for as much, for as much, as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife, his children, and all that he had, and payment be made. How I many know that's a big payment? The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord said, The Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him his debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell down, besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told him unto the Lord all the things that were done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all thy debt, because thou desirest of me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was angry, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother their trespasses. If there's such a thing as a master key to the kingdom of God, this is it. This is something that it's got to be done. It's a master key. It's, it's what makes all the other keys work. This one key could stop everything that's going on in your life. Many times when you minister to people who are possessed or they're sick, the first thing you try to do is find out if they're not, if they got unforgiveness from somebody. Why is that? Because it will block the power of God and the, and the healing that belongs to them or the deliverance that belongs to them in their life simply because they will not forgive. Here this guy ended up in torment. Notice he ends up in torment because he would not forgive someone else. So the person who doesn't forgive ends up in torment. In other words, unforgiveness, you think you're teaching that person a lesson, you're really telling them something, but you're not doing anything to them. Half the time, they don't even know you're mad at them until you tell them or walk by and act like a fool around them. So forgiveness is one thing that you have to do in the kingdom of God. It is a master key to all the other blessings that are in your life, in the kingdom especially in the church in this day and age. There's so many people just doing things that are not lined up with the kingdom of God. Some of them ignorantly and some of them know that they're not supposed to do it, but they still do it. So they're blocking the things of God. That's why the church is in such a mess. Church is in a mess because it's living a natural lifestyle and you're not a natural person. You're a spiritual person with access to a country well beyond the natural realm, but you can limit yourself to the natural realm simply by not using the right key and turning it. And feelings and emotions do not matter in the kingdom of God. Are there feelings and emotions? Yes, but we don't use feelings and emotions to persuade God to feel sorry for us. No, the key has to work. If you go home tonight and you go to your front door and it's locked and you don't have a key, you left it and locked it in the house, you can scream, you can holler, you can plead compassion, you can do whatever you want, you can kick, you can squirm, you can oh, say, God, please, but you need a key to get in. See, all that hollering and whooping and singing and all that stuff, there's nothing wrong with it if it's on the right side. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's because of, not to get of. A lot of things we do to get of. 
If they're not, it's out of your heart to do. It's on the other side. It's a kingdom thing that you do. But it's just simple key. A lot of areas of my life where I was not receiving is because I had a key and I wasn't putting it in the right hole. I had unforgiveness here. Uh, I didn't think it was fair that somebody should be mean to me and count me down and tell me I was a cult and everything else and then pray for them and love them. It makes sense to me. To slap them and kick them made more sense to me. But how many, know that, how many know that doesn't open any key? That doesn't do anything. What was I doing? I was blocking things in my life. I was blocking finances. I was blocking peace. I was blocking joy. So the more keys when I read this Bible that I see that I can do, you know, I want to take that key and I want to check myself. Is there anybody in unforgiveness? Am I offended by anybody right now? Am I blessing those who curse me? Am I, and I want to put that key in there and I want to turn up because I want heaven's backing in every single area of my life, in financial, in power, in authority, and everything that God has given me. I want to live in perfect peace for the rest of my days. I want to live in joy in the rest of my days. I want to be calm and happy and everything for the rest of my days. And people say, well, you can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. It's in the Bible. The kingdom of God is simply righteousness, peace, and joy in the... But notice where it starts. Righteousness. It starts with using the right key, put it in the right hole. That leads to peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. But if you don't use your key to do it, if you want to hold, hold grudges, if you want to do that stuff, then some things ain't going to work in your life. And it's not God's fault. It's our fault to do that. Same thing with everything else. And once again, God's not mad at you. He's not going to throw you into hell. He's not upset with you. He's just giving you a better way to do something in your life that's going to benefit you so he can get the kingdom into your life. He wants you to do good. How many of you know that? He needs you to succeed in whatever he's called you to do because you've got a purpose, and you're the only one that can do that purpose. So he wants you to succeed in every single area of your life. That's why he gives you these keys so that you can hook up with heaven and let everything happen that God wants to happen in your life. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. Holy Ghost. I would just say that even in the middle of the night, you do some work on us tonight. You open our eyes to any key that we're not using or any things that we see that, that we don't believe or believe we have a right to do, even though we don't have a right to do. I thank you for teaching us and guiding us and showing us kingdoms, even as we pick up this Bible tomorrow. It's going to be teaching to us. It's going to be showing us areas in our life that we need to adjust. We thank you for loving us so much to correct us, loving us so much to teach us and show us the right way in the kingdom of God. And Father, whenever we get in a situation where we're not receiving according to your word, we're going to look at me rather than you. And we thank you for making that adjustment and revealing to us and giving us wisdom and knowledge to live in victory and, and be a, a star and a light for everybody that's in the world. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay. Praise God. shall be added unto you.